0: Autism Live, I'm Shannon Penrod, and I am here with the fabulous, the wonderful Dr. Doreen Grampiche. We're so grateful to have her with us this morning and to have you here with us. I have to be honest with you, this is our last Ask Dr. Doreen of 2020. And I know we have lots of feelings about that, but I think we're all prepared for it to be 2021. Isn't that funny how we're like, let's like as if the changing of the year is gonna make it all better. But let's put this puppy to bed, right? So uh, Dr. Grand-Pichet is here with us. I'm Shannon Penrod, uh, but she's uh, the star of the hour. She is an amazing expert in the field of autism. She's the founder of a couple of organizations that I really love, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, also known as CARD. She is also the founder of a wonderful charity that is Autism Care Today that has done so much for so many so we're so lucky to have her here she as i said she's a true expert in the field of autism has been working in this field for years uh way more than she should admit to look at how young her face looks uh but has been working with all kinds of individuals on the spectrum so dr grampy shay good morning good morning shannon and good morning everyone it's lovely to be here and i am thrilled that's we're ending this year <laughs> right Never never have we been so glad to be like that's over. Yes, honestly, it's unbelievable. Well, uh but hopefully we're going to come out of this uh, knowing things that we didn't know before. I'm 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 grasping at straws for how to look at the bright side of all this, right? <laughs> uh just uh, cuz you know, it gets thinner and thinner the ability to do that. Hey, we got to tell you that this whole show is meant to be interactive. We're going to be with you uh, for as much of the next hour as we can. We've had some technical issues this morning, uh, but we're going to be on the air as long as we possibly can. Right now, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, restream, or well, restream, we're always on, uh, but so Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. And we hope that you will write in on those four platforms and it will show up here on our screen so that we can, and people are already writing in, good morning to Angel and Amanda and Yasbel. buenas tardes to you, uh, Avani, Rosario, uh, and uh, Lizzie, Lizzie, we're saying hi to Lizzie, I was going to say the last part of it, but anyway, um, Thrilled that you guys are here with us and ready to ask Dr. Pichet some questions. Let me also say that if you want to watch the show uh, later on when it podcasts, it's available on all those four places that we talked about, plus on our homepage, autism-live.com, and there on every place that you could ever want to find your, a podcast where you download it for free. That's our one thing is we like for it to be free for you. So we are on iTunes. We're on. Um, uh, Google Podcasts, we're on Ghana, you name it, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Deezer, we're there. So check us out in all of those different places. I will tell you that after the the show on Friday, we're going to be showing, uh, we're going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus for Autism Live uh, from live shows, but you will still have the opportunity. In fact, I don't know if you know this, Dr. Grand Pichet, but we're going to play a marathon of Ask Dr. Doreen. So, oh, wow. So, with- Right? You'll be able to tune in. And I I believe that some of them are from pre-COVID, so that you'll see us getting to sit like normal people talking to each other. Uh, And so that's gonna play over the next, there are a bunch of them that are gonna play over the next couple of weeks, thanks to Traven, And uh, you'll have plenty of opportunity to get your Autism Live fix, if that's your thing. So, uh, so thrilled that you guys are all here. I, I lo- totally lost my train of thought, but it doesn't matter because we want to get to the questions and you guys can be writing in your questions right now. So this first one, I love this parent so much. They're working so hard. Uh, they say, and there's a lot here and I shared it with you, Dr. Grand Pichet, So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically this is a two and a half year old currently nonverbal child. Uh, that is getting 40 hours of ABA, they just recently started the PEX program. And I'll have you explain what that is for people who don't know. Um, When is the time for her to say the words independently? I can see her frustration. I can see that she tries, but it's so hard to see her crying when she can't say the words. For example, um, the therapist says bye and she says die. The therapist says up, she says up, up. Uh, Shannon, I know you gave us examples when kids were learning how to walk, that they keep falling, but you can't stop trying, right? It's just so hard to see. I just don't know what to ask both teams. And by that, I think she means the ABA and the speech team. Uh, I'm going to ask you if you feel the same way. Um, But she wants to know what that collaboration should look like. Basically, the, the team got together and mom was there with the child, it sounds like to me, and all they did was go over goals and that they did nothing for mom and nothing for the kiddo and that she felt very frustrated by that. She wants you to know that her child can um, repeat a echoics at least eight sounds. She can stay at a table to work for 10 to 15 minutes. She can man for at least four things with PEX. Um, and she has been on the gluten-free, casein-free diet with no MSG since she was a year and a half. She has a question about apraxia, she's heard about it, but wants to know if it's, her daughter is too young to be diagnosed and she is deeply appreciative of you, Dr. Grampy-Shea and any advice that you can give her.
1: Absolutely, how nice, thank you. Um, and yeah, I I, I really wanna, uh, can't wait to get involved with this child because, you know, so it is not a difficult process actually, there's a full, um, there's a a step-by-step kind of guide when you are that young and just starting speech that we've written or at least that card we have this kind of exact process that you're supposed to go through and um what it is is uh uh, for example it starts with just the mm sound and production of the mm sound, which is the easiest sound for children to make at this point, and if she, I, it sounds like she probably is past that point. And then it's the, a matter of just producing a vowel sound like ah. In some kids, it'll be e, for instance. It doesn't matter. That's step two. Then it's about putting it together and producing ma. As this is all imitation only and so then uh once you have ma it's about making your first homogenous chain which is ma ma and then it's about the next step is attaching that to mom and so that the child realizes ma, ma results in ma mother coming and is an actual thing And then it's about changing the form of that to what we call a heterogeneous chain, which is ma, me. And so in order to produce that, then you have to start with mm and e again. And so it's a very like, you know, step by step guide of how you produce words and uh initial sounds and we actually even have a worksheet which i'll try to find and get to you shannon so you can send to this mom because it has to do with the development of sounds certain sounds don't develop at two certain sounds will develop a little bit later certain sounds are harder for our kids Um, apraxia the only thing apraxia means is that the muscle tone in the mouth and tongue are low low muscle tone so obviously you know when you say a sentence notice how many different ways your mouth and tongue moves right we're not aware of the speed with which our tongue moves forward and backward and to the side and all that sort of stuff so but it does and that is what our kids have a hard time with and that is why they have a difficult time producing speech so here's what I suggest. I think that and the way that it works with when when an ABA team works with a speech path is they have to become buddies. They have to become friends. They're one team. They don't have separate goals. They have one set of goals and the speech pathologist is working on some of the stuff that ABA folks are not as good with and vice versa. And I can tell you that for your child, you need a speech therapist who is trained in prompt technique. Prompt. Prompt technique will help your child produce new sounds, and that is something that is it's very useful. It's, it's, uh, the, uh, speech therapists know who are trained in prompt will, for instance, they know where to place their finger so that your child will make the sounds that are prompted with those outside movements. And I think it's very helpful. The therapists, the ABA therapists, have to be doing things that are in exact correlation. So if the, super, if the speech therapist is, let's say, doing tongue movements or you know, touch the tongue to the finger or uh, mouth movements or whatever it is, the therapists have to be doing similar activities or the same activities everybody has to be working on the same sounds on the same words otherwise it's you know you're you're not speeding things up you're just doing two separate programs so it needs to be uh, coordinated better than that and and for i saw there was another question that passed that had to do with apraxia you know for apraxia there's a lot of stuff that you do which uh, basically, you just do oral motor exercises of any type and simu- stimulation inside the mouth. So there's a lot of equipment that you can purchase, even like an a, you know, electric toothbrush will help. And you, what you're trying to do is activate all the cells inside the mouth and the tongue. Chewing gum will help. Uh, you know, blowing objects like party favors or blowing out a candle. Those are, there's a lot of, uh, oral motor activities. We actually have some of them listed in skills. If you look at skills, if any of you guys are skills users, uh, on skills in the motor curriculum, there's a section for oral motor and it, all of our kids who are nonverbal, they begin with these activities and it produces sound and once you're past the point when you're able to imitate sound by placing uh the tongue in the right location inside the mouth uh then it's a matter of joining the sounds and that's not that hard it's just the initial production so for the first mom um don't be frustrated uh your child is still very young but Yes, if, if your child is producing sounds, those sounds need to be now put together to produce functional words. So they don't have to be accurate words. Like uh, I, have a, I have some children will request juice by saying ju and others will request it by saying. X. Like it do- doesn't matter. It's what they're capable of. And you attach it to a MAND, is what we call it in ABA. So it's something they really request, they want. And then they will use it more and they will try to make it better. Now, PEX is a picture exchange communication system. It's fabulous. Um, Andy Bondi made PEX back in the, I wanna say early 90s, I remember when it first came out and it is a really good system it's a visual iconic system for communication so you know how we type on a keyboard and letters represent sounds or words well uh, PECs is the same thing pictures little icons that represent words and for children who have a very difficult time becoming verbal we often use PECs because it's important to give the child uh, some f- way of communicating and so instead of uh, if the child can't say um you know i want a break then at least there's an icon they can give you that's that's for them to get some time off right a break uh, so and parents always ask me should i do pecs will it slow down the verbal it doesn't slow down verbalization if you um use it right first of all if there are important, um, I guess, requests or um, a- anything that the child needs to be able to express, and it's too difficult for the child verbally to do so. In other words, the child is still at, let's say, single sounds uh, in imitation only. Then yes, use PECs because we want to make sure the child is able to have their needs met. That's extremely important. If your child has needs and they can't express those needs vocally, um, they're beco- they're, there's a likelihood that they might become aggressive because they're frustrated. Nobody understands what they want. So PECs alleviates that, right? And allows the child to communicate non-vocally. Um, if your child is uh, quickly developing speech and vocal language, then you can always do PEX, but pair it with a vocal expression so uh, you know the child wants to go out they can give you the out picture or the out icon and you can then also still model and require the child to say some version of out so that way you're pairing the vocal with the picture and before you know it you will be able to drop the picture and your child will just realize the way we do it is like you know with pecs initially you'll have a pecs board you'll have a big board somewhere in your house or in multiple rooms with these icons on velcro so the child can kind of take them off and give them to you you can have a book which has these icons in it that you've made and uh, and every pecs book is different because it has to do with the child and what they want right uh, but over time let's say the child wants to go out you can put that particular icon right by the outside door and so the child is prompted they they when they want to go out they have to take the icon give it to you or point to it or eventually they could just say out and and that
0: fading process does happen as well i, I went on and on about five million things but it was so good, and they've written in so many different things. First of all, um, I, I want to address. Somebody wrote in and said that I've read and seen that it's possible to teach nonverbal children to talk. Is that true, or are there are some uh, kids that just uh, won't ever talk? Um, so uh,
1: both is true. Both is true.
0: We have many. I mean,
1: you know, when I used to directly uh, treat my own group of kids. Long time ago, um, the the majority of the kids that I saw were nonverbal when they started, um, because I used to see them very young. Right? Unfortunately, the age at which we see kids are, is a little bit older now. But you know, you see children and they're not evoking any kind of vocalization at all. They're not producing sound. If we uh, so, at a percentage of those children absolutely develop. Sound and speech and language and advanced language and uh, even recover. Okay, uh, but then there are also some children where the difficulty is so uh, intense. Uh, whether it's not just apraxia, it's also things like they have very significant sensory overload, uh, and they they just have very severe symptoms of autism. Um, and in in some of those cases, yes, it is quite possible that they are non-verbal, non-vocal, um, and that is where it becomes extremely important for them to have either a PEC system or uh, an iPad so that they can communicate. And let me tell you, uh, I've I've often said this to Shannon. One of my favorite things is. Uh, when I have, when I see an adult, when a, an, an adolescent or an adult is referred to me because they are so aggressive and self injurious and I go in and I realize that it's just frustration because they can't communicate. And we teach them to use an iPad. Uh, to communicate their needs because there's several iconic systems on iPads these days as well, pictures systems. Um, and all of their behavior their challenging behavior just goes away because now the individual can finally uh, communicate what they needed. And that's all it is. It's just frustration. Remember, language this the aggression and all of these types of things are not a symptom of autism. Okay. I always like to remind that they're just a symptom of frustration.
0: Yes. And we can do something about that by giving everyone functional communication. I want to, I want to give a shout out. Carrie, who I love, has written in and said that PEX was the stepping stone for her son to be able to speak. And I I hear from so many parents that that is the case. Uh, Other parents are reluctant to do some sort of augmented communication because they feel like, well, now everybody's going to give up and my child will never speak. But that the research shows the exact opposite. So functional communication for all. And Absolutely. in your lifetime, in your tenure, <clears throat> I've heard statistics. I don't know if they're accurate. But I, I was talking to a parent a couple of years ago that has an older child. And she said to me, well, you know, 87%, uh, something like 87% of people on the autism don't speak. It's the very rare. And I said, oh, no. And I went and looked it up and I, I feel like it was the exact opposite, that it's like 87% of um, folks on the spectrum now are vocal and it's 13% who don't. And she, and she and I were having a conversation about that. And she said, in my lifetime, that number has reversed. I feel that's because people like you just got better at what you do, Dr. Grampy. Does that, does that sort of jive with your experience of autism? that's
1: probably a good that's a really good point there's no question that over time we've gotten better like there's no question i just in terms of like pex is a great idea great example of that you know by it it, it was definitely after 1990 it was maybe early 90s because i remember where i was sitting when i spoke with andy bondi the first time about his program he's a dad He, he produced this program because he's a father and he realized that his child needed some way to communicate, right? And it was little binders that we would duplicate ourselves. It has gone so far, you know, and everybody knows what PEX is, and I'm so uh, just delighted that he did that. But prior to that point, uh, you know, it was all different. We were t- We were using things like sign language, obviously so it's it's very very amazing that and and look at us shannon i mean we've learned over the last i guess 20 years uh you know now we know that we can teach our children um advanced cognitive skills very advanced like perspective taking 20 years ago prior to the research that came out of uh simon barron cohen's lab in cambridge We didn't even know that autism had anything to do with the theory of mind deficits. So yes, we've all gotten better. There's no question and that. Hopefully shows, uh, in what's happening in the population diagnosed with autism.
0: Yeah. We've come a long way, baby, like, uh, in that old commercial. Uh, okay. Tons of questions here. I have to say people have written in about a bunch of things that I have no idea things I've never heard of before. Okay. I, usually we have like one thing, a show that comes up that I've never heard of before. I think there's like six things here. Somebody wants to know what your opinion of gut butter is. I have no, I have never heard of gut butter. I have no idea what that is. Are you as stumped as I am? I am. I've never heard uh, of gut butter. So you'll have to write in and tell us more about that because we have no idea. There are a couple more things, but I want to get to a couple of questions here. So um, we've gotten to uh, somebody who says that their child is five, has receptive communication, great, uh, but they believe that he has apraxia. Um, and you've talked a little bit about that. Currently he has ABA, 30 hours a week, speech therapy, and OT, he communicates with signs, gestures, and a speech device, he is motivated to make sounds. So does that yeah. sound like the prescription for you, Dr. Grampuche, is should they stay the course with those things? Yeah, the court, the, the hours
1: sound good, good job that those hours sound good. Um, but I, I would insist if he is able to make sounds that you start requiring some sounds for his mans or his requests. So when he wants an object start to requiring sound because Truthfully, if a child, if if any, oh, here's a great example. Oh my gosh, it never even occurred to me to, to look at it this way. So you know how we make fun of our kids because our kids text rather than picking up the phone and calling? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is an example of where writing something can become, or using an icon or a visual can become easier and can replace vocalization. Mm-hmm. So instead of talking, our kids on the spectrum can also get lazy with it and just touch an icon. So use it. you have to, if, if with the general population of teenagers in the world, texting was taken away again guess what it all starts calling right so yes. make sure that if your child is able to make sounds and you want them to speak make sure you start to pair it up with the icons so that they realize the icon alone cannot get the object they want there has to be a vocal utterance and then start shaping that vocal utterance that's how you kind of make sure that the start using the icons more as a prompt rather than as
0: the means of communication. Okay. Farine wants to know, I have a client that cannot tolerate crying peers. In the past, the BCBA yeah. did not FCT, ask for headphone or go away, but his behavior hasn't decreased. I'm intervening, tolerating crying for two seconds and making a comment on crying kids instead, uh, uh, instead of hitting them. Um so I hope that makes sense. So that sounds like uh, the, that they're probably a BCBA or at least a behavior therapist. Uh, so again, they can't tolerate crying peers in the past the, I don't know what a FCT is. Um, ask that might be a uh, that might be a misprint. But the the past BCBA made them ask for headphone, headphones or to go away, but the behavior didn't decrease. Now this person is, uh, t- getting them to tolerate crying for two seconds and then that they get to make a comment, I think is what it is on the crying kids instead of hitting them. Do okay. you want to, um, give them any advice?
1: Okay. So there's, uh, you know, there's two things we can do here. We can, and, and you're doing kind of a, a little bit of each one. So I think, uh, Pick one and really work at it. So one one thing is, um, you know, giving headphones, like having the child, your child, stay exposed to the disturbing stimulus, which is the sound of crying, but protecting themselves, okay? Now, the only way that will work is that you do not allow the hitting. You have to block Whenever you want to replace a behavior, you have to block the inappropriate behavior and replace it with an appropriate behavior. So if the child, because I I think the parents had written, it didn't work every single time it'll work because nobody is allowing him or, or her to hit the other child, you're blocking that you're preventing that and having the child put the headphones on. Okay. Then you do that, you know, a hundred times. Then gradually, uh, you your blocking will get less and less because then you'll just hand the child the headphones, and then gradually, you don't even have to be there because you can put the headphones around the child's uh, neck or something, and it looks pretty cool. And then they all they know how to do that, okay? So that's one direction to go, and if you do it. With a lot of attention, it will work. Another direction is for the child to remove himself from the environment, which certainly you can do, um, and you can have the child like walk away when uh, there's a child crying. Sometimes it's not possible to walk away or remove themselves, which again they can put their headphones on. So that's another thing. And then there's a third, which is what you're trying, which is essentially telling teaching our child to tell the other child to to get away to go away right which works it can work but you again I always say this Shannon you know that you can't teach things in the setting you have to kind of practice them at home and make sure that that behavior has been mastered and then uh, apply it to the real world so in this particular case you would record sounds of a child's uh crying or whatever sounds bother him and you would practice this at home where you would play it and your child would then say stop or go away or whatever it is you're trying to teach him and then you would turn the thing off right and you practice that and if you can get a neighborhood child to come and help as the next step you make it more and more like real life and then you practice it in the school setting um, and see how that works but you know i think it's a little bit more difficult to tell other children to go away like let's say your child is in the playground there's going to be several kids who are crying right or and there's and it's if your child is sensitive to this sound they're probably sensitive to other sounds as well so my preference if i was choosing the The intervention, I would probably choose the noise canceling headphones and I would really
0: practice and work at that. Okay. Uh, My son is four years and 10 months. He's doing home ABA right now. The therapist told me his ability is like a two-year-old right now. I meant to send him to inclusion for first grade. Is this possible? And is there an assessment I can do to see if he's ready for general education? Okay. So he's he's four years ten months almost five doing ABA at home therapist says he's functioning at a two year old level mom would like to do um, inclusion
1: okay so and this is a, a live question right now right so, yes
0: they're there right. they're there
1: so I I my recommendation is and then I would like to ask you a question my recommendation is uh, not. To start him in school, my rec yet. My recommendation is to, if you can, he's only four, use one more year at home of doing intensive ABA so that he is more prepared when he goes into general ed or whatever school program. Are there assessments? There are many, many assessments. It depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for school readiness, then you will be looking at achievement tests. If you're looking for language capability, there are certain tests, social capability, there are other tests. Um, my recommendation to you is to get on skills, uh,
0: skillsforautism.com. The phone number is on the screen. 877-975-4559. Perfect. And I would get a
1: skills uh license and do the skills assessment. It's long, I, I want to warn you because we're very obsessive people here. And um, it'll ask you a couple of thousand questions about your child, and it will give you <clears throat> age levels. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it will show you all the things that the child is, is behind on. Um, I guess the question I had was why do you want him to be integrated into school right now? What is it that you're hoping you will accomplish?
0: And, and I'll, let's see if she writes in. Um, I, I want to say that for a lot of parents and we get this from a lot of parents, there's a, there's a sense of, first of all, the schools make it sound like that's, you know, school is the only place on the face of the earth. And I'm a former teacher and I love school. And I think that education is wonderful. And I'm also, depending on the school, a fan of public education. So I want to be clear that um, I'm going to say this from that point of view and that I love school, but they do a very good job of selling it to us as if it's the only place that our child should be. They tell us there's going to be this great socialization and that they need to be included with their peers because that's the thing. Nobody ever tells you, Dr. that there are exactly this many studies showing that autism intervention by going to school full time for this age of kids uh, is not effective. There's no study showing that it is effective, none. And, and, And they don't tell us that. So we think, and plus there's that part of it where we want that normalcy. Like everybody else's kids are going to school, so can't we have one thing feel normal and, and schools really buy into that. Plus, they tell us, oh, your child has to be here. Your ch-. Like, you can't keep your child at home. They make you feel like you're a bad parent if you're keeping your child at home. I've been through this. And I just want to give everybody a hug and go, it is false information. They're, they're manipulating us. And they're doing it, I think sometimes they're doing it from a sense of that they you know, this is what they do. This is their job. They educate. And so they think you should come, but they don't know ABA. They don't know how much better it is. And, and mm-hmm. some of it, when you're talking to administrators, they want your child's tush in the seat, because that's the only way they get funding. And it really comes down to that. And I feel like a negative Nell for having said that. No, but but
1: also, <laughs> no, you're right, Shannon. And I think it's really important for parents to realize one thing. So When you look at having your child at home and doing home ABA instead of school, don't think of it as uh, a more restricted environment. Don't think of it as meaning that your child can't handle school. Think of it as a great luxury, and I'm only saying this to parents, because it is truly just a better education. That's what it is. It's a much, much better education because you have one person whose attention is 100% on your child, as opposed to a teacher who's dealing with 20 or 30 kids. So it is just a higher quality of education. And it's like giving our kids a lot of tutoring to strengthen them before they go off to school.
0: Yeah, and she wrote in and she said, um, Thank you very much. From what my friend's child has experienced, I think that my child will be put in an inclusion setting and might be given an aid if I fight for it. But I want to point out that the another person wrote in and said, If I had to do it all over again, my son would have never started school until he was six. It would have been ABA full time from age two with some OT. And I got to tell you guys, um, you know, School pushed hard for us to have my son start preschool at three. They pushed hard. They, they filed a lawsuit against us, not once, twice. So they were pushing hard for us to do that. And I kept coming back at them with the science and I had to learn as I went, but we fought hard to, to do intensive. And this, I, this is the word that we need to say 35 times here, intensive, good quality aba in our home we were lucky enough to do it with the Center for autism and related disorders and which you know the best of the best um but a year a year of that at home at, where they were offering the most restrictive environment for my son they were offering him a room in a trailer where kids were banging their heads against the wall I could cry when I think about it but we did a year of aba and then they offered us full inclusion with an a that's how we got there. Um, And, you know, my son, you know, this week applied to Harvard because we did that time. I have seen the kids that got talked into those, the kids that my son was in early intervention before we started CARD, and their parents got talked to putting them into those preschool programs. And it breaks my heart that they did not get what my son got. I want that for you. I'm sorry if I'm being pushy, but if you want the aid and you want to have the inclusion, do all the work before. I was explaining this to a parent yesterday, Dr. Grand Pichet, about why we take things, what you were just saying about taking it outside the circumstance. And I said, imagine if you were gonna go downhill skiing and I yeah. tried to teach you while you were in the middle of going down the slope. Right. You would be like, I got things I gotta do here. I'm about to die but nobody ever teaches downhill skiing that way. That's right. They would take you aside and go, okay, here's step one. We're gonna put your toes together to stop and we're gonna do that 300 times. Yeah. Then then we're gonna learn how to put your you know, poles in the snow. We're gonna do that 300 times. And then we're gonna take you down a little slope before we send you downhill skiing. This is how we teach. And I know it looks foreign when we do this with little kids, but this is, Oh, my heart is breaking right now. I want to make sure that this parent does, yeah. you know, gets their uh, child I, yeah. so that they can be included. Yeah, uh,
1: exactly. That, 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 I mean, you basically said it, Shannon. It's about uh, just giving the individual, giving the child the, the individualized exposure to the things they need, which is ABA. And it's, um, hey, listen, I, pr- I promise you, many parents who have gone through this will tell you that that those early years of ABA are the most valuable thing they ever did.
0: Yeah. I mean, hands down, I tell people all the time I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. That's the one thing I will never regret. It right. was hard. Yeah. I just I mean I gotta be honest it was and it was hard to go against the flow because other people, other people's friends were going to school and they were saying, oh, you should just put him in school. It'll be easier for you. And he'll get all that socialization. Yeah. And and I've seen those kids, you guys. Um, fight for this. Fight for this. Fight for this. Uh, okay. So asking for a friend, once her child turns four years old, can she apply for a single case agreement to get her child to have in-home, in-center hybrid sessions with a card location near her home? How long could a single case agreement uh, approximately take? Six months to a year maybe? Can Card, Can a CARD BCBA attend IEP meetings once he goes to kindergarten? He will have a school shadow or instructional aid just for helping him so that he can be in the least restrictive environment. Can she start her son with CARD at age three and a half?
1: Yes. A lot of questions. Yes, yes to all of it. Uh, uh, so yes, you can start, you do not need to, my youngest child was nine months. Let me just put that out there. I mean, that's very unusual, but currently I just did an intake for an 18 months old a couple of weeks ago. So uh, let me just tell you guys that you do not have to wait until four, by the way, for any reason at all. Like uh, you contact your health insurance and you request ABA or you go see whoever diagnosed your child should give you a prescription for ABA and uh, for intensive ABA, by the way, because your child is very young. And uh, the sooner you start, the better, please. The sooner you start, the better. Now with your insurance, uh, a single case agreement can be achieved almost within a couple of days. Like it's not a big deal. You, You can get in and see someone at CAR, get an intake done. I don't know where you are. They'll generate a report. This whole thing should be a a couple of weeks, maybe less than a month. Hopefully you you request uh, your coverage from your payer. If we are not in network with your payer, they will give us, we have to argue and get a single case agreement. You can do that too. You can argue and get that. I've had single case agreements last years. So it's not a time limited thing. It keeps going until one of two things happens. Either we get a network, at which point it transfers to a network contract, or we don't get into a network and your payer, your insurance company feels like your child's had enough, at which point you'll have to appeal that. But that's down the line right now. You need to get a single case agreement going um, and yes, you can start earlier, and yes, you can have uh, in-home and, and center-based, and whatever your BCBA thinks is appropriate. And yes, your BCBA will go to the IEP and uh, su- make suggestions. In fact, our skills program, our curriculum, every single lesson also has a IEP page. So we've written all the lessons in terms of IEP goals. Um, so what else, uh, was there any other part of the question that I didn't
0: answer? Uh, he will need a school shadow or instructional aid just for helping him. Uh, and sometimes if you can get the school to do it or your insurance to pay for it, card absolutely goes to school. You yeah. just have to make sure that you get your funder in line with it. And uh, they wrote, are, into, they wrote and the- in the contract. We do have
1: contracts with a lot of school districts. so that might also be a
0: relatively easy process. Yeah, They wrote it and said that their single case agreement took a full year and that they cried happy tears once they were approved for card. I do want to say, for people who don't know what a single case agreement is, your insurance has the obligation to give you services. So if if they cover it, they have to be able to give you a provider, and they'll have in-network people. And if for some reason those in-network people don't work, You can ask for a single case agreement with somebody who's out of network for them to look like in-network, but you have to give reasons. And I just want to say, I I love your enthusiasm for how quick it can take, how quick it should take, Dr. Grampiche. but especially in COVID, I know things have been slowed down considerably. One factor that I want everybody to know and I want everybody to consider and maybe help us with is that there is a ginormous shortage of therapists right now. Uh, all across the country, in every ABA provider, if you know someone who is good with children and is looking for employment, that they will be it's essential workers, so they'll be assured work. Um, you know, Card is the best employer to work for because they give the best training for BTS, and and Card is always looking for BTS. But for a single case agreement, you would want to make a case, and we've seen lots of families who will say you know, I want to do a hybrid of center-based and home-based and and the providers that you've given me can't, but CARD can, or they don't have therapists and CARD does. These are all great reasons why they would give you a single case agreement.
1: Can I I, I just read another parent had written that they were denied center-based ABA because it's not in their plan. I don't think they can deny you center-based. They could make an argument that you can't have ABA in the school, which you can argue back, but that's a different issue. But they, I don't think they can't, we've published on how important it is to have ABA in center-based model. And that's why center-based model became a thing because of our publication. So I don't think you have, you should go back and, and unless you have it now, Uh, you should go back and argue that with your payer. That's kind of not legal.
0: Yeah. And, you know, two years ago we saw a rash of these where there was a lot of people applying for single case agreement with CARD making the argument, I want center-based for part of it. And we were seeing a lot of people getting denied with this excuse two years ago. I just want to make it clear. You always have the right to appeal your insurance denials and the first appeal that you get, you will almost always across the board be denied. It's the second appeal that you must focus on and get that one and you go through the process on the first one, get the second one in because they don't have a leg to stand on. And and if in the parents that make that effort, you know, there were pioneers two years ago who were slogging through it, but it should be easier for you now. I agree with Dr. Graham go back and argue that with them. Um, somebody <laughs> Go ahead. a few people asking if we're in network
1: with their payers and I just don't know because you know we're in network networks of hundreds of insurance companies. I wouldn't know, but if you'd like to know, just call card and at, or email on our website and ask uh, our contracts department basically, which is inside the payer the insurance co- uh, department, and they will be able to tell you who we're in network with. And I want to say, some payer, some providers, like this is something I learned last year, Shannon. So when we get a single case agreement, sometimes the rate they pay us is higher than the network agreement. When we get in network, they reduce our pay. So some pay, some providers of ABA decide not to go in network because they will get higher pay by just having hundreds of single case agreements. We're not, we don't do that. We go in network because we, and it does reduce our rates sometimes by 20%. But we wanna be in network because it's a lot easier for you, for our parents and our patients to deal with an in-network provider because a lot of other stuff then is covered for you. So we kind of, you know, so if one provider tells you they're not in network, there will be others who definitely are.
0: There you go. Carla wants to know, they say, first she says, hi, thank you for this educational program. My question is how can I help my nephew who is 10 years old and has mild autism and she says, or is high functioning, he's doing very well overall, but how can we replace hand flapping behavior for a more appropriate behavior. And I appreciate you asking it in that way, the replacement part of it. Cause a lot of people will say, how do we get rid of that? And, right. and I always go, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, that, that, that thing is, yeah. sort of, it's got a function. Um, yeah. There's something that it's doing, but replacing it. I love that you already know that. So how do we do that? Dr. Grant?
1: Well, so there are, uh you can you you know it's a hard behavior to replace let's put it that way because it's it can uh, for, for, with every behavior with every single behavior by the way first of all you want to start by doing a functional assessment which means you're trying to figure out under which circumstances the behavior occurs and why if there is a reason so when you in there are generally only three or four very specific reasons. Either the child does this behavior because they want attention. the child does this behavior because they want to gain access to something and that's when they do it. And in the case of, or, they, or the child does this behavior because they're trying to get away from something, avoidance or escape. And then the fourth function or the most, the one that probably pertains to hand flapping, is what's called an automatic function so it's kind of like by hand flapping there's an internal intrinsic reward to just doing this okay now if that's the case it becomes very hard to replace because it, there's an ongoing uh kind of a reward from just doing this so you sort of have to find something that will mimic this now what mimics this can be a number of different things but one of the things that we found can help our children is, for instance, doing this, but holding an object and doing this. And if you can see my hands and I'm holding an object, what does it look like? It looks like drumming, right? So we did this with one of our kids who uh, used to do a lot of hand flapping when he was little. He would always pick up objects and just go like that, right? He was it was very high high frequency, and it was very hard to stop so we put a drum in front of him and we started to teach him to do it in the front and he has now become a a famous and incredible drummer which uh, uh, where is all his stuff shannon can our viewers just see his his performances
0: online if you google uh logan shepherd drums you will see a bunch of his stuff online we did a piece with him that's really old because he's 18 now and we did it when he was 14 and he's such a better drummer now than he was when he was 14. Come on, um, like all of us are better at 18 at something than we were at 14. So, it, I, you know, it doesn't really do him justice, but you'll see he's this wonderful, funny, well-spoken young man yeah. and a professional drummer. That's right. You know, that's uh, how you
1: replace behaviors. You try to find something that provides the same level of stimulation to the individual when they're automatically functioned behaviors and then
0: you, you kind of replace it that way. There you go. Now we had somebody who wrote it and you've mentioned skills several times and somebody wrote it and said, I just went and looked at skills and and that it's very comprehensive and a lot of things to work on. So, and usually uh, at some point, I, I do uh, a little blurb about things that are free from skills right now. I would love for you to take just two seconds, Dr. Grampuchet. I know that's impossible, two seconds, even as I hear myself say that. But um, if you could uh, just talk for a minute, maybe, about what skills is, and then I'll give them the rundown. Sure. Oh, that's a very hard task.
1: So, <laughs> skills is Um, Something that we built over many, many years and what we, uh, it's a curriculum and an assessment and a data tracking system. So what it is, is that it starts with you, the parent, answering uh, thousands of questions about your child in all areas of functioning. Uh, it will, it, you basically will answer questions on the, in the areas of language, play, social, cognitive skills, executive functioning, motor, academic, and adaptive skills. Eight areas. Don't know how on earth all eight just came out of my mouth, but thank you. It was for that. It's whatever vitamin I took today. It's, uh, um, basically it's CoQ10. I've started taking CoQ10 from my memory. That's I'm going to get that. So basically, um, you go in there, you answer questions. So let's say a language question could be something like, does your child, uh, you know, sp- describe things that happen to him in full sentences? As an example, that's like sort of something that would be like, say, a four year level or five year level. It starts all the way as one year or even birth, and it goes all the way up to chronological age eight, which is, you know, mental age higher. So basically, you answer questions, you say yes or no. If you say yes, my child already does that, that lesson goes into an area of uh, mastered lessons. If you say no, my child doesn't do that, then that'll go into the supermarket of things that your child needs to learn, right? And then it links to all of those things. And it's like hundreds, thousands of lessons that your child needs to learn what you said no to and everything that was a prerequisite. It's a computer program. So it's very intelligent. So it'll go all the way back and, and say, you need to teach these things. And this is how you teach them. Lesson plans, IEP goals, videos. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there to help you teach that particular skill. And as you're teaching it, there's data tracking that also our therapists use, and you could as well. And you input data so that it shows as your child has mastered various things, what to go to next. And it also, it has a lot of different features. It also has a functional assessment tool that helps you identify the function of every challenging behavior like why is your child doing a tant- a tantrum and how to deal with it a behavior intervention plan the whole thing is is it's very complex it's take you know we keep adding to it over and over every year so it's a really really good kind of medical electronic medical system for you for us and for you to track
0: everything that's going on and to guide your child's program forward. Wonderful. So, uh, you know, I like to simplify stuff because I'm not, I don't have the brilliant brain that you have. So I think of skills as being a toolkit. And if you have a toolkit, if you rush off to Target and you buy a toolkit for somebody for Christmas, you would not stand over them and go, okay, now use all the tools at one time. That would never happen. And and some people will use their toolkit and they like the hammer and they're you know they'll use the hammer endlessly and occasionally they use the screwdriver and other people will use the screwdriver all the time and the hammer only comes out once a year right so um, skills is this amazing toolkit and it's available to all of you and people use this that are experts in the field um, and they'll use it in a different way than you will use it as a caregiver. But as Dr. Grampy Shay just said, there is an assessment. As a parent, I was always wanting to know, where is my child in space? I go to the mall, and on the mall, it has the map of the mall, and it says, you are here. And I can chart a course to where I want to go from there. I always was asking everyone, can you tell me where are we? Can I get a snapshot of where my child is? If you take the skills assessment that you can do at home uh, on your own time, it is extensive because it's gonna give you a really good snapshot of where your child is. But then it has all the lessons and it makes recommendations to you about based on where your child is, here are these lessons and you could do them in this order. And so skills is amazing. Your child is engaging in a behavior and you don't know why it happens. There's something that can help you with that. You wanna do an intervention that's based on uh, science, you can do that there. So a toolkit, wonderful toolkit. And it, you have access to all or part of it, it is a subscription thing, but they give away free things every week to us. And they work in tandem with uh, the Institute for Behavioral Training, which is uh, online, it's like an online college, if you will. Uh, and you can take different levels of classes about all kinds of things, about how do you actually teach these things? So um Skills and IBT pair up and they give us free stuff to give you. Yes, I said free. And uh, Now I have everybody's attention. So, so the number that's on the screen there, 877-975-4559, what you do is call that number. If you're out of the country and you're not able to call an 877 number, you can email me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. And I'll put that up in a minute, but write that number down first, 877-975-4559. Every week they have one set of trainings that they offer that is just for caregivers. It's geared towards people who do not have degrees in psychology and don't understand all the jargon. And it helps you to be able to do something in your home. And and it's like a package of them, like five trainings, reach out to them and say, you know, I'd like this week's free training. They also have a package that is just for educators. You can also do that as a parent or you can tell your child's uh, teacher about it and say, "Hey, over the break, you know, here's this phone number, call and get some free trainings. You know it's good for them. Um, and they also offer you a 10% discount if you say that you saw it on Autism Live on any skills product, which is pretty awesome. So if they're not giving the free training that you want this week, go call them and say, you know, look at their website for iBehavioral training, for is where you go and or skillsforautism.com. But look at iBehavioral Training and see is there a training that you want and they're not offering for free, then call them and say, I want 10% off. Some of them, like the, I think the least expensive one is $7 and 50 cents. You can't even buy a book for that. Let's face it. That's, you know, like a grande uh, Starbucks, right? Um, And not only it's a video that you watch and you can have your significant other and your babysitter and your mother-in-law watch, right? Um, But so check that out. Uh, As as I said, if you are um, out of the country and you can't call that number, there's my email on the screen, s.penrod at autism-live.com. If you send a request to me, I'll forward it over to the folks at Skills and IBT so that we can hook you up with that. Oh, I was going to squeeze in one more question and I killed all of our time talking about Skills. No, that's wonderful. I'm,
1: I'm sorry that we have no more time, but we will be back definitely in January.
0: In January, I want to thank Dr. Grampy Shea for being here and answering all these questions. I want to thank all of you for being with us on this journey and for trusting us with your time during COVID. I hope that uh, everybody has gotten something that can help them. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow is the big festival of toys where we're going through the entire toy guide. And I'm going to yeah, just be covered in toys and have so much fun. It'll be a really cool time. And then on Friday, our last show of the year, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy with Nancy Allspot-Jackson and our special guest, Vince Redman, licensed and marriage family therapist, extraordinaire. Dr. Grampiche. Pichet. can i just uh,
1: quickly wish everyone happy holidays yeah so i hope that you all bring 2020 to a pleasant close and happy new year to you guys as well and thank you so much it's always a pleasure talking with all of you and i'm uh, really looking forward to seeing you all again in the new year and hopefully everybody will, will be healthy and happy
0: Nice. Yep. Amen to that. Thank you, Dr. Grampiche, and to you Thank as well. You. All right, you guys, I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye bye for now.